0: Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenache. I am your coach, your conduit, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in a subject. A catalyst sparks change, and a conduit provides a connection. So, I am really so excited today. Uh, it's Wednesday. It's the beginning of August. A lot of us are preparing for back to school. So this topic of curiosity is is a great topic for right now because, you know, when we think about school, we think about learning, hopefully. And being curious is part of learning. But I do have a great guest here with me. And if you're looking at the screen, you can see that she has a book cover behind her, Find Your Voice, Save Your Life, number four. And um, her name is Diana Leader. So say hi to the people. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And I'm I'm excited because she's my first guest from Canada. So I have, I was telling her I have had a person from Costa Rica, a person from Japan, a person from Jamaica, and now I have somebody from Canada. And so that's she's my first one from Canada. So I'm awesome. excited about that.
1: And I'm so honored to be your first.
0: <laughs> well, I I was really um You know, I put these topics up and I put up 10 topics at a time. And um, so it's A to to G right now. Um, And so curiosity has actually been up there for a while because I'm actually in the G topics now. So I was actually excited. I'm always excited when somebody picks a topic because I'm like, oh, I wonder why they picked that. Oh, you know, curiosity. curiosity you know, the story <laughs> behind, like, why did they pick that? What made that stand out to them? So yeah. what made you pick, you know, the topic of curiosity?
1: Oh, my goodness. So, well, you know, you know this as a coach, that's what our practices are based on. You know, curiosity that we um, that we use to ask questions of the clients and getting them thinking about, you know, okay, I'm kind of curious about such and such. And, you know, why am, why am I experiencing experiencing this right now and instead of what I want and, you know, asking themselves some of the deeper questions. So I find that it's really part of the practice, but it's also part of um, being in, in the practice. So being in business, you know, we need to use our own curiosity to stay healthy as a practitioner, but we also need to use it to, um, to inform our, our choices in our business. So it's kind of, it's it, it, as soon as I saw that on the list, I thought, Oh bam! that's it. That's it. I don't have to go any further. That's not, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
0: amazing that you say that because, um, you know, I always kind of just look up the word, um, you know, and just see what's kind of trending about the word and curiosity is actually trending in a sense, because as people are changing jobs, They are curious about what they could do next, where they can go, uh, what the job market looks like in that area. As people are looking for jobs, curiosity is something that is being listed as a major skill that employers are looking for because they want people that come in and add to the company. They're looking for innovation they're looking for new thought processes and, and new ways of doing things. How can we optimize what we're doing? So they're not looking for the person that's like, oh, how have you done it all the time? Okay, I'm gonna do it just like that. They're looking for the person that's saying, Hey, um, maybe we could try this. I'm yes. curious about whether this would optimize this area, you know. And I have these questions about what we're doing here. Is that the best way to do that? You know, mm-hmm. so they're looking for those people with curiosity because they're feeling like it's, it's competitive out here. Uh, people are sometimes, you know, keeping their money because inflation, how can we get them to see the value of our product or our service, you know, and those kind of things are, are trying to, I guess you could say making curiosity something that people haven't thought about, you know but now they're thinking about it and like this is so so important we need curious people we need people thinking outside of the box we need innovation um the next biggest thing is going to be found by that curious person the person mm-hmm. that's asking why or why not you know mm-hmm. do this
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and you know what really what really triggered me by what you said was the um the value in using that curiosity for ourselves you know when because when we show up, understanding who we are and are aligned to that, right? Aligned to ourselves, then um, you know I think that there is no limit to what we can do. You know we're not we're not in a box anymore. You know we're just being our whole selves and we're doing things that really light us up and feel great. So, yeah, I, I, as you were talking about, you know, the employer and what, you know, what someone could do uh, for that employer. I'm thinking, man, they would just be charged up and ready to go. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So I guess we've kind of uh, jumped into the topic, but I guess we should talk about what curiosity means to us. Like, what does that word actually even mean? So when you think of the word curiosity, what comes to your mind?
1: curiosity for me is being um being thoughtful and i think it's it's mostly an internal you know that's kind of the first the first place that i go is that internal consideration contemplation um you know some people use meditation for it you know it can be really anything um it can be you know why do i like the color of my hair you know why do i you know, I always kind of joke with my, you know, people in my circles about this. You know, why can't I wear four-inch heels anymore? <laughs> you know, um, it's 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 finding out things, having having some, um, having some questions, posing questions to ourselves. You know, understanding exactly who we are, and forever um, repeating those questions so that we can continue to grow. So that's, that's kind of curiosity for me.
0: I like what you said, um, kind of posing questions to ourselves going inward, because, you know, when I, I always say that I was raised to be, in a sense, very traditional, and you go to college, you get married, you have kids, and you're told, hey, you're going to love your life and everything's going to be wonderful. But you don't ever question, is this what I want? Or at least I did not. Um, and then you get into it and you're like, this is not what I expected. This is very different than what I expected. Um, how can I change my life to be more self-fulfilling? How can I, um, just feel more part of my life, rather than kind of watching my life pass me by, you know, or feel like I'm in a rut and I'm doing the same things every day and it doesn't feel purposeful. So, you know, to me, curiosity. Is reflection. It, like you said, thoughtfulness. It's reflection and it's openness. It's openness to possibility. It's openness to exploration. It's inquisitiveness, you know, asking questions, probing questions and then continuing to ask more questions and not feeling like maybe one answer is good enough. Maybe now that I have this answer, this is good enough for today or this week or this month, but I should come back and revisit this at some point. Right. And, and I think, like you said, growth, growth is so important. And questions can actually, in a sense, launch you into growth and, and launch you out of the box, as you were saying, out of the box that society might put us in or we might have put ourselves in. So I right. think that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, I also think it leads to pushing boundaries. Um, the boundaries of what we know in science, the boundaries of what we know in business, the boundaries of our own lives. Because sometimes we put limitations on ourselves. And and I like your title of your book: "Find Your Voice, Save Your Life." Four. It's it's the fourth in the series. Um, because I think again, like that idea of finding your voice. What what is your voice? And and how do you want to use that voice mm-hmm. in your world? You know right. so asking those kind of questions. So, you know, when you uh, were creating this series and and we're gonna talk about four, but I kind of wanted you to, I guess, give us a little background on the series itself. Um, How do you think that maybe the questions you were asking yourself as a life coach, as an author, led to maybe you creating this book series?
1: Okay, I need to. I need to go back just a little bit um, in in my life to to explain that. A lot of what you're saying certainly um, reflects my own experience. So I have worked for decades with with women specifically, and um, without even realizing at that time that everything that I was working on them with, and I was doing frontline work and I was doing social services and I was doing consulting. So, but everything that I was doing was about loss of voice either um, in a community or, or, you know, or personally. So, um, but that didn't, you know, that really, I, I did that very, um, very unconsciously. It just kind of, I thought I was just, you know, doing the work that I loved. Right. I, I wasn't thinking, thinking any deeper than that. And I, so I kind of sailed along, you know, that was fun. That was great. In the meantime, I got married, I had a couple kids and everything was rosy and lovely. And, and, um, and then my hubby comes home one day and says, Oh, hey, I'm not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that was kind of a bombshell. And just, you know, a bit of a spoiler alert, you know, we figured it out. And we're still together. You know, we've been together for 41 years. So it's been been a long time. Yeah, yeah, we did it. It was hard work, but we did it. Um, But what it what it did for me was put me in a position where I needed to was like, you know, the universal, you know, knock on the head. Um, You need to look after yourself. You need to figure out what you need instead of just being, you know, um, someone's savior in the community, someone's savior in a, in their home, someone's, you know, someone's mom, someone's partner, someone's daughter. So, um, so that was and, and curiosity, of course, was the basis for all of that <laughs> uh, because out of curiosity comes awareness, and as soon as you have awareness, right, ding, 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 then you can uh, you can make changes. You know, you can, you can reflect, you can, you know, you can compare, you can balance out your life and say, okay, this is going to work really well for me. This does not work so well for me. So that got me into coaching actually. And that was 11 years ago. And, um, you know, so I've, I've done group work, I've done one-to-one work and, um, and then these books came up and I was actually guided, spiritually guided to do us do the series and uh, and the men's book was part of it. So um, I've been lucky enough to partner with with um, Scott Holmes, who is um, first first up author in the book, and um, and we've put this book together, and and it's just it's just awesome. But the books, all of them, and as you said, this is fourth in the series, and um, this is called Transcendent Men: Real Stories which, you know, everybody kind of says, what's transcendence? And I will get to that. But the entire series is about um, offering people the platform to write their personal stories and heal through that for that process. Because as you know, as a writer, as an author, um, when you put your stuff on paper, you, you know, you, you grow from that in whatever way we are called to whatever, you know, whatever pieces that we need to, you know, to adjust or to learn more about, we can do that when we put those stories on paper. So that was really important to me. And the other piece, the other goal really for all the books was to, um, to have the readers take a look, read someone's story and be able to create their own awareness and, you know, walk their own path to increase the use of their own voice. So it was kind of a no brainer when I, you know, when it, when it started, um, and it just has kept going from there. The other three were, were specifically women. And this is the first, um, all male cast that we, that we have. Um, and it's just, it's been phenomenal, just phenomenal.
0: That, that is amazing. And, and I definitely, as a poet and also as an author, I definitely, definitely resonate with the idea of when you're writing your story or a story about your life, you are finding your voice. You're also reflecting. And I think part of the writing process for me has been that curiosity. How do I communicate my journey? How do I show them the lessons that I've learned? How do I show them the growth? Um, and, and as you're seeking to do that, it's actually making you dig deeper into the experience, into the memory, into what made you act the way you act, think the way you think, do what you did. Um, and, and you are learning, (laughs) you know, you're, it's being, it's, it's, it's like peeling off the, the layers of an onion. You know, you're Mm -hmm. getting deeper and deeper into the core of, of that, you know, thing. And so it is transformative. You know, I wrote a memoir um, and it was transformative to write the memoir, you know, yeah. of the last seven years of my life. It was transformative um, because I realized so many things, you know, I thought I knew what I was going to be writing when I wrote it. I And I did write seven years of my life. Yes. I knew I was going to do that, but I didn't know, as I was writing it, all of the things that were going to come up and all of the epiphanies I was going to have. Mm -hmm. And so I was different after having written that than I was before having written it. I had actually gone on a whole journey of uh, self-development, self-discovery, enlightenment, you know, and then it was challenging sometimes to write and be raw and be transparent. You know, when you said transcendent, you know, to me that this may not be what you meant but what came to my mind and what even from the picture which I'm going to ask you about in just a second is we have these experiences we have this innocence light self and this shadow self this part of us that we just love and embrace and oh like, yeah this is my great side and then we have these these darker elements that we might want to forget about you know our flaws our, our what we consider failures or weaknesses you know and and then being able to, in a sense, transcend that, being able to embrace all of ourselves, being able to transform maybe those weaknesses into lessons, into growth. You know, you know, so that's kind of what, when I was looking at that image, that's kind of what it said to me. Now, I don't know if that was the message that you had. So is, is, is that what you meant by uh, transcendent men? And, and is that what those two images on the, on the book are? Yeah, you're
1: you're good. You're good because yes, that's, that's that's exactly what it is. Um, it's and it's funny because transcendence is not you know a word that people just throw around. Right? And um, I have a podcast as well, so I've been interviewing all the authors on there, and I asked them specifically what their definition of transcendence is, and and it's all over the place. So, but it's really fun to hear all the different definitions because um, they're all connected to that. You know, individual person's growth path, right? So it's been very interesting to to listen to that. Um, the image is is fun. You have it bang on. So that is um, that's a man dancing with his shadow, because yes, if you if you avoid doing that shadow work and and you know delving into you know into what what the, what are the pieces really that are keeping us from being aligned to ourselves? Because I think we really we know somewhere that that is that's who we need to be you know we need to honor that that wholeness um, without any of the um, you know, and I'm sure I, I, I think I can swear on the show, right? <laughs> I think I listened to a couple and I, so I think it's okay. So, and you know, not being held back by any of the bullshit about, you know, well, you're a man, so you can't be vulnerable. You have to do this. You can't do that. And women, the same thing. You know, we all have societal um, expectations that are placed on us. I always say we're, you know, from birth, we, you know, we come out aligned, self aligned, but not for long. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, when we, when we decide that we are ready to heal and, and I think it is a decision. I think we, you know, we have to be very conscious and intentional about, about that, you know, making that choice to say, I no longer want to be in this place or, you know, be this person. I want to be more. I want to be who I really am. And then when you, you know, when you start to do the healing uh, by, you know, taking a look at your shadows, you know, doing that shadow work to, to know that um, you can, you can, you know, whatever you've experienced, you can move through it. And you can um, raise your own vibration, really, to um, to be that more, to be uh, truer to who you are. So, and that's what these guys have done, you know. And their stories are amazing. They, you know, they, they lead, and this is the one thing that that got me more than anything. They lead with their hearts. Mm. They really do. And and you know, while I have met men that do that, you know, before when you, you know, are faced with 22 of them (laughs) and, um, you know, they, they, they make their decisions that way. They, uh, communicate that way. Um, they, they do the work, the same work for other people. So it's, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book.
0: Oh, that is awesome. You know, it it is great. I believe that it takes courage to lead with your heart. I believe that it takes courage to be vulnerable and to share um, your ups and downs in your journey, your um, triumphs, and also the stumbles, the obstacles. You know, I think that that takes um, courage because a lot of of people just want to show you the mountaintop. They don't want to show you the valley, you know. Mm So I think, but, but I think to be an honest representation of finding your voice, of that journey of self-development, of transcending, dancing with your shadow self, as you said, all that, you have to take people on that journey. You have to show them the entire picture, not just the good parts, but just like you said, leading with your heart and just being uh, transparent and, and vulnerable and open. And I think that that, that helps people to do it for themselves. You know, there's a famous quote and I'm not even going to try to, to say it, but it's something (laughs) like, it's not our, it's not our, our unworthiness that scares us. It's our brilliance. And that Mm -hmm. who are you to be brilliant? You know, we think that. And then the, the question is, who are you not to be? When you are your best self, when you let your best self come out, you inspire other people to do that and you inspire them to feel like they can move past um, the things that have been, the boundaries, the limitations, even the false beliefs. You know, one of the, I remember years ago, I was probably 20 or something like that. And I heard somebody say, fear is false expectations appearing real and that always mm-hmm. stuck in my head because we we fear so many things that don't happen we fear so many things that we make up in our head well they must be thinking this about me you have no idea what they're thinking about you you would never know unless you asked them you know and they were honest with you and told you so but to face that fear and share your story it can be very powerful and transformative
1: mm-hmm. and and you know I I I, I want to throw in my take here because I think that um when we are not aligned to ourselves, you know, when we are paying more attention to what's happening outside of us than inside, then it, we we know in different ways and often we ignore it because, because of that fear. You know, I I can't, I can't do that. That's way outside my comfort zone. I'm just gonna stay right here where really it's not safe at all. You know, So so I think the more we allow ourselves to be ourselves and a lot of that is absolutely as you were saying releasing getting rid of the um the false um you know the perceptions of who we are and um and releasing a lot of those old beliefs so that we can simply say um i'm okay i i am okay so you know therefore i i can do these things i can't i don't need to be held back so, you know, I've, and I think certainly that's what these guys have done. That's what I think everybody who's written in these books has done in some way or another. And and it's a process for sure and takes a lot of healing. It's not, you know, step into this, you're going to be here, you know, one day and then you're going to be here the next. I don't think it's it's that simple, um, but it's a heck of a ride and it's, you know, I think it's extremely beneficial. I think we have to get there. We have to get back to that place where we were, where we were
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I I wanted to go back to your title, also find your voice, save your life, because, you know, um, one of the things about curiosity and and you mentioned asking, who am I? And a lot of times when people start answering that question, if you say, Hey, who are you? I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I'm, you know, a, a student. I'm, uh, whatever, they give you their job description, they give you their roles. Um, but there's lots of moms, there's lots of teachers, there's, you know, so you, who you are is deeper than that. That's just a small sliver of roles that you play, you know, and then so being curious to ask that deeper question, like, who am I really, you know, if I were to stop being a teacher, who would I be then? And I think that that's something that COVID made a lot of people face up to because mm-hmm. a lot of people lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were laid off. They, they didn't have their positions changed, mm-hmm. you know? So then it becomes, well, who am I? And, and I'm not, I'm not that anymore. Cause that job doesn't exist right now. So who am I? Cause mm-hmm. I, I wrap my identity up in that and now I don't have that. Um, and I think that even that that happens with empty nesters when their kids leave home and they don't feel like a parent anymore because their kids are now grown and, and, and gone, um, even though they know that they're still always going to be a parent. It doesn't feel the same, you know, and there's that kind of a grief process. But I, I, I think that idea of asking who are you and also. Kind of stepping out of the comfort zone of of being in a sense traditional, trying to do things the way that everybody else has done them around you, anyway, is part of saving your life because we were all created. You know, we they talk about that we all have unique fingerprints, that nobody has the same fingerprints. So we have this uniqueness to us, but then some of us spend most of our lives trying to be like everybody else and just fit in. And that's in a sense, killing off your uniqueness. And, and when you find your voice, um, you can save your life and in, in a sense of saving your uniqueness, but also you can give yourself a reason to live to explore that uniqueness and that, that purpose that you have and only you can fulfill. So mm-hmm. is that kind of why you chose the, the title?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, yes, for sure. Um, I think originally, you know, when I, even when I look at it today and, and someone asks me to explain it, I think about, um, uh, an example from somebody from the very first book who said that if I didn't use my voice to ask for a divorce, I would just have died another death internally. So, so being, um, being in a position where you are not saying, because for me, find your voice is expressing ourselves. It's not actually the words that we're speaking, you know, really just expressing who we are, who we really truly are. So if we can't do that, we can't, we're not self aligned. And we're going to feel that on some level, we're going to feel it in our bodies. We're going to feel it in our fears. We're going to feel it in our beliefs. So, so it's not it's not a safe place to be. It really isn't as much as we think that it is. It really isn't. So once you get to the place where you can actually express who you are, understand who you are, and that's a process, but you know, really understand exactly who you are and everything about you, so that you can express that, you know, um, as opposed to you know, oh, I don't, you know, so, so who am I? Well, I'm a mom. That's all I am. No, there's way more, you know? So, so being able to do that, to really express who we are, that is freedom. That is, that's full self-expression. That is, um, showing up as you showing up in your wholeness. So that's, that's really where it came from. You do save your life when you begin to use your own voice.
0: So I guess the next question, um, that I wanted to ask you um, is kind of what have you learned along the way about getting people to ask better questions, questions that help them to dig a little deeper into who they are, who they want to be, um, and, and where they want to go, you know, what what would be your tips about, you know, kind of developing their curiosity and using curiosity to propel them to better. Things, you know, your uh, company crave more life, correct? Mm -hmm. I I love that. Mm -hmm. I do love that because I I think that that is I think we do crave more and we want more out of our lives, we want more in our lives. And I'm not talking some for some people that's physical things, but for some people that's more joy, that's Mm -hmm. more purpose, that's more peace. That's more connection, more love, you know, uh, more friendships, more, more family in- intimacy. You know, those things mm-hmm. are what they crave. They crave more life in their life. And so I thought that that was, um, in, um, a nutshell, you kind of captured what many people are wanting because their lives may feel bland or dry or empty. Uh, or unfulfilling. So they crave more life to make it feel the opposite of that. Um, so what what kind of, I guess, tips or strategies or resources have you used to kind of help people use curiosity as, as kind of a self-development tool and a success right. tool?
1: Right. So um, there are a couple of steps that I can that I take people through to help with that. And I use both of them in in um, my personal coaching, my group coaching, and also in my certification program. So I I certify um, holistic healers as find your voice healers. So we kind of go through the same model. And um, the very first part of that is about taking responsibility for your own experiences so even just offering you know if i just kind of throw that out you know so what would that be like if you did you know you're automatically well you know this could be awesome this probably would be scary not sure if i could do that but i could do this you know um so everything is kind of formed in that you know in that learning process everything is formed as curiosity. Um, Because we have, you know, it, you know, personally, I don't think it does anybody any good to, um, you know, to be told, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, that this is going to get you happiness, because it won't, you know, it, it has to be something that they determine on their own. So I figure that my job is choose just to um, pave the way for them to get there. So offer them things like that, things that create that curiosity. And, um, and for me, in, in either one of those areas, either the certification program or, you know, just one-to-one work, um, it really is, um, it is about those questions. So, you know, it's that, it really, I know that sounds so simple, but it really is that simple, you know? Right. What would it be like if you took responsibility for your own experiences, what could be different? You know so that's that's really that's the beginning piece. And once they get through that, the next piece of both of the model for both of them is is again another place to to go deep and it and actually I call it deep core mapping. <laughs> so um, it is learning about all parts of yourself, every single part, even the places where you have to really, You know, where you don't have a quick answer off the top of your head, you know, what's your favorite color? Well, you know that pretty easily. Um, You know, what is your greatest value? Not everybody would know that just off the top of their head. Um, You know, uh, there there are lots of different places in that particular piece where they can dig. And and that's what it is. It's self-discovery by digging, going inside, recognizing that you are whole, and you're, and you're valuable because you're whole. So you have all your own answers. Um, and, and again, I'll just go back to that beginning piece because that's really the step one for me is do, you know, recognizing that they actually have responsibility and can take it and use themselves to create their own answers. That's, that's
0: pretty, I I like those questions and I like, um, yeah, that was really good. I I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from that and, and be able to, um, begin that process. You know, um, I, there are so many things when it comes to curiosity, you know, um, I have asked people to journal, you know, I have a guided journal and, um, It's 29 pages. Every page has a few questions on it, normally three or more. But it also asks people what role model would inspire you in this area? What goal do you want to set in this area? You know, um, what affirmation do you want to create in this area? Do you want to put a vision board or a little mini vision board, you know, a picture, an image of that goal? You know, so there's a lot of different um, techniques in the guided journal beyond just writing. What song makes you think about this topic and what affirmation could you say while you're listening to that song so that you kind of cement the affirmation and the song together. So now whenever you hear that song, that affirmation there. automatically yeah. you created a positive trigger for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of different activities in the guided journal to get them to ask questions to get them to think about things because uh, it's a topical journal just like this podcast is topical. So, every page is a different topic. I, I did guided journals my whole time growing up, and I never finished one because they kept asking me the same question. You know, <laughs> write three things you're grateful for every day for 365 years. I mean, 365 days. I was like, day nine, I was like, I'll come back to this next month. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done right years. now. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, mine has many different types of questions, you know, reflection questions, affirmation questions uh, goal setting questions, um, problem solving questions, you know, all kinds of different questions. So, um, I really Mm -hmm. feel like books, writing music, movies, especially documentaries can get us to ask questions about our lives. What did they do differently than what I'm doing? How did they make their lives a success? What can I learn from this person? Yes. You know, yeah. um, so those kind of questions can help us to dig a little deeper because sometimes we go through life, I believe, on autopilot. We're just taking in stuff, but we're not taking time to sift through it and say, what nuggets of truth have I come across today? You know, I remember um, there was a woman, and she's a CEO of some company. I cannot remember what it is, but it's some huge company. And her dad, you know, a lot of parents will say to their kids, what did you learn today? You know, when they get home from school, Um, her dad would say, what did you fail at today? Mm -hmm. And the, you know, he wanted them every day to have tried something that they could possibly fail at, you know, because he didn't want them to be afraid of failure. He wanted them to see Mm -hmm. failure as a part of the learning process. And that if you are trying to learn something, you're probably going to fail first. And so don't be afraid of that. And mm-hmm. and she took that into her company to basically uh, encourage her, her employees to not be afraid of putting out an idea because it might be stupid, you know, or it might be, you know, far-fetched because she felt like that openness to in a sense fail would get them their best ideas, their most creative ideas, their most innovative ideas. And so that question of what did you fail at today? I mean, who would think of that? You know, <laughs> like that dad was, was he was, you know, that was very creative for him. To no think. kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no what kidding. Yeah, that was smart. That was that was very very smart. I didn't get that as a kid. But
0: <laughs> yeah, me either. But you know, it was just, I, and I wish I could tell you who it was. You can probably Google that you know, that little snippet. What did you fail at today? Some dad asked his daughter, you know, and then it'll tell you who it was. But, but yeah, that that idea of uh, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay. That's part of the learning process. Yeah. What can you? What did you learn from that failure? You know, yeah. and that would kind yeah. of be the next question. What do you think you could do differently to make it succeed? You know, so it wasn't just about the failure, but it was about the fact that you tried and also the fact that you could learn and could tweak and could, you know, progress, you know?
1: Right.
0: right. Um, so that was very powerful. I thought it was just that. a very powerful tool that he gave her, you know, as yes. she was growing up.
1: Yeah. Good dad. Yeah. Um, And I would, I would also um, take it further and suggest that, you know, when, when they're in those kinds of situations, they are, they're all, I think we, as humans, we always reflect whatever we, whatever we will allow back to ourselves. So, um, you know, knowing, knowing what it is that, that excites them and what connects them to themselves is, um, is really a bit of a safety net with things like that too because if someone does fail, they know why they failed. They know, um, they, you know I, they, they make that question much easier to answer um, than maybe it, it was the very first time that she had to answer it, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I, and I think that just makes us even more powerful You know, so we so we have, you know, when we know ourselves to a really great degree and then we have someone who is offering us the curiosity, (laughs) you know, I think that that's a win win. That's awesome. Yeah. Great story.
0: Thank you. Uh, So we're going to spend quite a bit of time in just a minute on your book. But before we get there. You know, with the title, Transcendent Men, uh, we mentioned, I, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. I, I thought that it was a very timely book because I feel like everyone, men and women, and even kids, we're facing unprecedented changes. Um, the world is changing around us. Mores are changing, you know, when it comes to dating, marriage, what it means to be a kid. Um, all of these things are changing and people are trying to sort their way through this new world of of changing landscapes and expectations of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, you know, and we're asking ourselves, okay, it doesn't seem to mean the same thing it meant to my grandparents, Um, maybe not even the same thing it meant to my parents. What, What does it mean now to be a woman, to be a man, to be a mother, to be a wife, you know, to be a husband, to be a boyfriend, you know, what, what are these roles? What are these, what am I going to define it as, you know, what is going to feel right to me, you know, and, um, having that curiosity. And, and, and I think that a lot of people now are exploring different ways to be in the world, ways that feel more authentic, that feel more, Aligned to their personal values that may be non-traditional. You know, I'm not sure how old you are, but when I was growing up, the idea that we might be talking about more than two genders was like, how is that even a possibility you know, but, but now we are talking about, you know, more than two genders. So there's so many, in a sense, possibilities that I think people are exploring. They're curious about, they're wanting to think about and, and talk about. Um, and, and for some people, that's terrifying, you know, and for others, it's, um, enriching and exciting. Same,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and, and it might be a little bit of both, <laughs> you know, so I don't know, I guess it depends on your perspective. So, um, you know, what would you think about, in a sense, curiosity in terms of finding your voice, saving your life, but but navigating this new world, this Internet, social media, um, you know, COVID, monkey pox world <laughs> where... <laughs>
1: So many things have <laughs> changed. Oh. Every day, something yeah. changes. There's something new. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, this is, I, I, think, um, I think, again, I think it comes back to knowing who we are. Um, because if we know who we are, then our choices are clear in front of us. We're not going to pick a path that is difficult, um, or doesn't support us mm. right so and and that's really what these guys have done in the book right so um, it it is about navigating the world from who you are as opposed to what the world is is now telling you is is the new normal mm. right so okay. and that and that gets you you know that that is the place between you know oh, I'm going to do this because I'm I I'm supposed to, and I'm going to do this because it feels right in my heart.
0: I like that. I'm going to do this because I'm supposed to versus I'm going to do this because it feels right in my heart. So, um, all right. I would like us, whatever you feel like you have not told us about this book behind you that you need to tell us, you know, I, I would like you to go into depth and tell us about your book and, and, um, whatever, whatever is on your heart to tell us.
1: Okay. Um, well, you know what? I just pulled up the, um, the draft in front of me and I, I, what I found was, um, I think, kind of perfect. And I'd like to share it. It's just a, a, a verse that, that I wrote in the beginning. Um, and it, it, it's based on what I had learned about all the authors. And I think it's really it's a really good example of where they are now. So it's um, it's it. The title is "As Transcendent Men We Rise," to live beyond the normal, to surpass the limits, to move beyond a human experience, to shift to a shift in focus from selfishness and egoism to the needs of others, to a shift in values, no longer being driven by external rewards and demands. But knowing that the reward is the activity itself. Mm-hmm. To an increase in moral concern, an intensive focus on doing what's right. To an elevation of emotions, awe, ecstasy, amazement, feeling mm-hmm. uplifted and of high vibration. To being part of a movement to heal ourselves so the world can heal. Bringing our strength, excuse me. Bringing our strength to effect positive change for the greater whole. To an intimate d- combining of aspects of the divine masculine with the divine feminine, capturing the pure essence of joyful union of the mind and the heart. To seeking, experiencing the full alignment to self, unapologetically leading with the heart and self honor. And the last point is. To having found one's voice.
0: That is really beautiful. There's so many things in there, you know. Um, you know, I um, went through a, uh, an initiation, and, and one of the things that we were talking about, you know, it was basically a nine-week. Um, class, journaling, meetings, all these different things. One of the weeks was dedicated to sacred relationships.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the idea of that the coming together of a male and female was was, you know, in in ancient Africa, which was called Kemet, a man and a woman were paired. Um, so it was arranged marriages, but basically the idea was that they would look at the woman, they would look at the man, they would see who they were, their purpose in the community, and they would pair them with the perfect match for them as an individual, but also for their union to be strong for the community. You know, so for example, if they had a warrior as the man, he's the warrior, he's going to go out and he's going to defend the tribe. That's his purpose. they would pair him with the healer because he would come back with these wounds, physical wounds, but also emotional, mental wounds. And if he wasn't healed properly, those would become destructive to him and he would become a destructive force when he wasn't on the battlefield because he wasn't just going to be on the battlefield. You know what I'm saying? He was going to have to come back and integrate back into society. And so the healer was going to know how to physically heal him, but mm-hmm. also mentally, emotionally help him work through those wounds. So that would be the pairing that would happen. Um, and you would think that those are complete opposites, but, but um, the healer would also need to have someone, you know, because they're taking on all of this, um, the, the wounding of the tribe in a sense, they would need this warrior to basically come and say, hey, stop, you've done enough. Here's, put your boundaries up. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. would need the warrior to fight for them also yes. because sometimes as healers, we don't know how to say no. We don't know, we, we, we have to, that, that may be one of our weaknesses. So the divine masculine, the divine feminine, would they would kind of be paired to help, one another, to strengthen one another, to fill in the gaps where that other person was lacking. Um, and so that was one of the, um, I guess, scenarios that we were given. And, and it was basically like, okay, when you're looking at yourself and you're looking at this person that's possibly going to be your partner, um, how are you matched? Are you, are you, Matched for your individual needs and also for the needs of the community, because the basis of society in the African village was the the family, the man, the woman, mm-hmm. the child they created. Even if they didn't create a child, you know, but that was just the whole idea. That's what the Ankh is. You know, it's that the woman is the upper circle. You know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of with her just with her legs open. Okay, that's the the, the crossbar. <laughs> <laughs> the phallus is going up and in that empty circle is possibility what do they create together do they create mm. a physical life or do they create life in terms of more life for the community where they're they're this source of of life and strength for the community and so that's actually the union of man woman and child in physical form that's what mm. the actually represents Love so. that. Yeah, and it it actually represents life. The word onk A-N-K-H is it means life. L-I-F-E. It means life.
1: Wow. So, wow. so
0: when men man when man and woman are created together in a union, they bring they come together in a union, they create life right. when they're balanced, when they're uh, interchanging their energies, you know.
1: Right.
0: Right. So it's it's a very beautiful thing. So I, I like that you were saying right you know, that, uh, about your book, that was really, that was a beautiful entry to the book. It was,
1: Well, and that was a great segue into that story because that's awesome. And I think it fits really, really well with, you know, with the message of this book, because I, I think that, um, you know, and some people go to the spiritual side and, and, you know, want to be really into the, the, you know, the divine feminine, the divine masculine and, and, you know, that coming together, for for some people, it is strictly about um, gender traits. You know, that's that's and and that's fine. I mean, we 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 will go where we need to be, right? Um, but I really do believe that you know we all have we all have traits of both the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us, mm-hmm. and um, it, when we're in a partnership with someone, we we trade off. You know, one doesn't have all the masculine. The other one doesn't have all the feminine all the time. Um, you know, sometimes we're the warriors, you know, yes. and, and sometimes they are they are the healers. Right. Um, and so, you know, when you when you first started to talk about it, I thought <laughs> my thinking was this really describes a lot of relationships now hmm. where, you know, where they have, they, they perhaps are attracted because of whatever their traits are. But then those traits just go a little wonky when, you know, when it is presumed that as a man I need to be, I need to be tough all the time. You know, right. There's, there's no room for softness. And the right. woman, you know, there's no room for me to speak up. You right. Know, there's no room for me to be independent. Right. Um, there, you know, there are other things that I'm supposed to focus on. So I think, I think though, as, you know, as people, I think that we are transitioning <laughs> You know, I do. I think that um, I think that we are learning to honor more of the um, divine feminine um, for for all those traits. You know, I do. I think that you know, as women, we're rising and we're changing. We're changing society as we go. You know, I do believe that. I think that men are too, in their way, and and this book is is one of those ways. Um so i I am looking forward to when that becomes even you know when equality lives there too. <laughs> you know that maybe i I almost hate to use that word because it it you know it's a um it's a forceful word as well in some ways, but I think it's it's an accurate one for for this, you know, when we think about who we want to be as women, who men who men want to be as men, and how do we come together as. Um, you know, as what I like to call the the third entity, you know, of being the relationship, which may in fact be the next book. I'm not sure yet. Um, But, you know, I think that we, I think that we just, there's, it's, it holds promise for me and possibility and curiosity. (laughs) Well, I I agree with
0: you. I agree with, you know, it's, sometimes I feel old because it's like, you look back at the world and, the world that is today is so different from the world that you grew up in. You know, like I remember when, you know, ten o'clock at night you could see the the screen of the TV go blank and, and it would be the the yes. boxes of color on yes. the screen. Yeah. And now there. You know, of course <laughs> the the TV screen never goes blank because there's always something to watch. You know, yes. there's thousands of channels out there. So to go from that to this, um, is everything that we see around us, you know, this is what I tell my students, everything that you see, it was actually created first in the unseen. It was created first mentally. Somebody had an idea. Why does the screen have to go blank? Why can't there be 24-hour programming? And then they set about to do that. They set about to answer that question by creating 24-hour programming. And now we have it. So, the world that we actually walk around in physically today was created through the curiosity of individuals who questioned the status quo and they created new things. They created new books. Like you have coming out, they created new TV shows and music and movies and, and devices and, and even ways of, of communicating our verbiage, our vocabulary is changing every day. My son says his, his daughter, Told him that something that really tasted good was busting out the seams. I'm like, what is what seams what? <laughs> it was busting out the frame. I was like, frame of what? 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 There's no frame on ice cream.
1: You know, it's like, okay, okay. Oh my gosh, saying that's you know, funny something. because you probably did that same thing too with your parents, right? I know I did. Right, like that's yeah. a
0: that's a new that's a new saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's great when we're able to see a need, um, think of how we could meet that need and create something, whether it's a new saying, a new book, a new, um, practice, you know, like you created your, your practice. And, um, I want you to tell the people where they can find you and where they can Mm -hmm. find your books and including this one that's coming out.
1: Sure. Yes. So um, starting from the beginning, that, and all the books will be together, but I just want to give you the names of them. So the first two are both, uh, one is Find Your Voice, the original one, um, Powerful Women Real Stories, and the second is the second edition of that, Powerful Women Real Stories. The third one actually won an award, two awards actually, which was awesome, through the Book Fest, which is I was very, very proud of, um, Powerful Healers Spiritual Stories. So that was about women um, coming out of the spiritual closet. You know, they were being honest and open about what their spiritual gifts are and how they use them and um, how they support others through that, you know, through that channeling or whatever they're doing. Yeah, so that one was really, really fun. Um, And then this one, of course, Transcendent Men Real Stories, and they are all um, available on Amazon. So that's, and and number four just went public yesterday. Um, so it's been a very long day and a half, (laughs) Uh, but so proud of it. And so proud of all of them. Um, you know, every single person involved with these books has, has put their heart on the page. They really have. So, you know, um, you know, if you're, if you're enticed with the guys one, go and get the guys one, but, you know, consider going and starting from the beginning because it really is a path. And, um, I really, you know, I'd love to honor that, the courage of of the writers. It's been, it's been amazing. So yeah, um, Amazon is where you'll find them. And um, you can find me at cravemorelife.com, Diana at cravemorelife.com, two ends, please, or you won't find me. Uh, and my website is is cravemorelife.com.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Um, before we end, I do have on amazon um my guided journal which i mentioned a little bit about which is called zenergize mm-hmm. your life volume one
1: wonderful
0: and i also have my memoir which is called plenty of guppies and other dating misadventures less loss and lessons of love from 101 mm-hmm. dates a memoir told of poetry and prose and uh, this one is actually still on the kindle bestsellers list in native american poetry um and it is day
1: 173. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. My great, great, great grandmother, I think that's enough greats, was uh, Half Choctaw. And we actually have a picture of her. I put her on one of my flyers. We actually found a picture of her. So I put that, uh, you know, I put it in Native American Poetry just as an homage to having found her picture and and just... Finding out, you know, I did my Ancestry.com uh, about a year ago, found out all this stuff about what I have inside of me. I'm, You know, the guy I'm dating says, oh, I'm dating the United Nations because you know, I just have <laughs> <laughs> so many ethnicities in me. I'm 24 percent Caucasian, European, you know, so the rest is all over the place, you know, Interesting. so, so yeah. yeah. And, so
1: more that you know about yourself, right? Yeah. I so I'm very 3% cool.
0: Native American, which I don't know is enough to claim anything, you know, like in a tribal sense, but it's there. Yeah. And that goes yeah. from my great, great, great <laughs> grandmother. I think that's enough rates. Um So, yeah. So that was exciting awesome. to find her picture and, and have that, that that was really a blessing. Yes. So, yes. Uh, and you, and have- you know,
1: what's, what's cool. Sorry. Is just that, you know, when you learn that about yourself, mm-hmm. you were able to use it to honor her, which yes. honors you too in that yes. ancestral line. So awesome. Yes, that?
0: yes thank you. And I want to thank everybody who's joining in. Uh, if you're joining in on Facebook, we have 90 other episodes on um, all the streaming platforms that you can check out. Uh, if you're joining in, you know, on LinkedIn, again, 90 other episodes. Um mm-hmm. So please like, subscribe, share, go visit Amazon for our books, visit cravemorelife.com so you can learn more about what Diana Leader is doing, so support us. You know, you can support in many other ways, you know, become a member of my Patreon, you know, support through sponsorships, but the goal is for us to enhance our own lives and impact our circles. So I want to thank you for joining me today for talking about curiosity with Diana Leader and Zena And may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. Zena a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery, while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children.